Hello and welcome, I'm Dr. Nicola and this is Aspen Talks Help, where we learn about alternative healing modalities and how to live a compassionate and healthy life. This show is so vitally important because all of us are stressed out. We are going to talk about stress management, how to holistically handle stress, and why that's so important is because it not only shows up in our physical health when we're stressed out, but also in how we treat the loved ones around us and ourselves. So I'd like to introduce Dr. Stephanie Stanfield. She is a PhD in energy medicine. She has researched what stress does to people's lives and their relationships. She also has a doctorate in theology in spiritual counseling and is the author of Shake Stress Master Wellness. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here. I'm very excited to have you on the show. So let's just start with your message. Why do you do what you do? I do what I do because it's important for me to pe for people to live the very best life possible. And stress is so insidious and it sneaks into our life in various ways. Usually shows up uh, along the line, timeline of age in diseases and ill health. And there's a lot we can do to prevent those things from happening. So the sooner we get stress management under our belt and do it daily and regularly, the better off people are. Yeah, it's so true. I, I don't think people realize how much their bodies are under stress anymore. I think things like EMF exposure, if you just in your bedroom alone, if you turned your cell phone on, for example, mm -hmm. it blows my mind that you have 8 to 15 possible Wi-Fis going through your bedroom. That's energy bombarding yes, you. Yes. Right? And um, right. So let's, let's talk about the different types of stress. There are several different types of stress, and there's mental stress, emotional stress, physical stress, environmental stress, and spiritual stress. Okay. And sometimes you can be working with all or none, depending on what's going on in your life at any point in time. Right. So can we go through each one? How do, what shows up in mental stress, for example? Well, I take a holistic approach, yeah. and I like to explain to people that we're as well organized energetically as we are physiologically. Mm. So if you understand the chakra system, are you familiar with the chakra yes. system? Okay. So your base chakra is actually a nerve plexus in your physical body. Okay. Your sacral chakra is also a nerve plexus. We even call this the solar plexus chakra. And all plexus means is like an intersection of nerves. Okay. Then we have your heart chakra, your throat chakra, your brow chakra, and your crown chakra. Each of these relate to more physical more emotional, hmm. more physical, and more spiritual aspects. And then you have the environmental stresses like the EMFs you just mentioned, or the toxic people in the workplace, or those types of things. Right. And they can influence your auric field. So your first chakra is closest to your auric field, and it's more associated with physical. Okay. Then you have mental and emotional and spiritual bodies in your auric field as well. The interesting thing is stress can come in through any of those fields and get stuck mm. or stopped. But usually by the time something becomes physical, it has moved through your arc field and been a problem for a while. So the sooner you notice what's going on and you become aware, that's one of the four self-healing skills, you can change it. Makes so much sense because, for example, disease takes years can take years to develop and that might be from those stressors that kind of yes. 
You let it go deep into your system and then it gets locked in there. It gets huh? locked in there, yes. Interesting. Yeah, I think nutrition is also a big one. Uh, not getting adequate and also getting some, so many of the toxins that are now being introduced in our food systems, the preservatives, the pesticides. Yes. Our bodies are not accustomed to dealing with that level. No, no. And the, the information that's now starting to come out is even organic foods have traces of pesticides because it's in the water. And it's not only in the United States. Countries all over the world are using pesticides that are infiltrating our water system. Right. It's true. Uh, it's, it's really scary what our bodies <laughs> have to deal with. Yes. So um, explain the five stressors. That's a little different. Let's talk a little bit about what stress is. Okay, please. Okay. Most people will say, I'm feeling stressed. Have you, have you said that before? Sure. I'm feeling stressed. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this stress is getting to me. But we're not really sure what the meaning of stress is. Uh, there's a man named Dr. Hans Selye, and he's a premier stress researcher. And he studied it under various different conditions. And he determined that the definition of stress is simply the demand for change placed on an organism. It's called the adaptive demand placed on an organism. Hmm. So you think of this, you put a cell in a petri dish with toxins on one side of it, that cell becomes stressed and moves away from the toxins. You put a cell in a petri dish with nutrients, the cell becomes comfortable and moves towards the nutrients. Interesting. Both of those are a sign of an adaptive demand placed on a single organism. Well, we're trillions of cells. Right. <laughs> and our thoughts, our emotions, all of those types of things play into what we are experiencing as a stress level at any point in our lives. That's why I say there's so many kinds of stress. And the five serious stressors are things like not monitoring your thoughts and letting your thoughts go crazy, avoiding peace, I was in a situation recently, and everyone was just kind of, oh, and I kept thinking, how can I find my peace through this? How can I find my peace through this? Mm, I like the question. And eventually, everyone else got sick. There's a flu bug or something going around, and I'm staying pretty healthy throughout all of this. And it's very interesting because instead of buying into the drama, of what's going on and the runaway emotions, yes. I'm finding my peace. And I keep coming back to how can I find my peace? How can I find my peace? So drama, and in one of my uh, blog talk radio shows that I used to do, I talk about the elements of drama. Things like a shortening time bomb and or timeline and all of those types of things. So drama is a huge type of stress and that's more mental. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean shortening timeline? I didn't understand. Okay, so uh, if you watch any kind of drama show, yeah. they have a bomb going off in three seconds and you have to cut the wire and it creates an intensity and a level of buy-in and emotion that are actually harmful to you and they're not doing you any good. Right. But you watch those shows anyway. And the shortening timeline can be an incentive to get things done or an incentive to just not even do them and walk away and feel overwhelmed. Got it. Okay. Okay. So sense. a shortening timeline is an element of drama. Information is an element of drama. If people don't give you all of the information that you need, you can experience stress. So say you have a relative coming into Aspen, right? Yeah. 
and you say, okay, I'll check the weather, I'll figure out what's going on, and you think you have everything lined up, and then you realize you don't know the day and time that the airplane's coming in. And you're not sure how to contact her, because what if she's on the airplane and she can't get your message and those types of things. That creates a stress, because there's missing information. Yeah. So information can create stress. There's all kinds of interesting dynamics in how we create our stress. Yeah. The interesting one for me is the ruminating and, and the, the downward spiral that can happen when you create a story yes. about a, a scenario that, you, yeah, it's maybe yes. the missing information. You then create yeah. why the person may have done that. Uh-huh or behave that way, and then it can spiral if you don't right. really control your emotions. And there's actually a feedback loop that gets activated between the hippocampus, the hypothalamus, and the um, pituitary gland that just kind of feed that catch-22 because you can't get out of it as long as you are trying to find out why, and the why leads you into a story, and the story leads you back into more rumination, and then you start believing the story, whether it's true or not. So interesting. That's why this thought keeps repeating, because I can convince myself to let it go, and 10 seconds later, it's, I'm repeating yes. the fight. Right. Okay. It's mind-blowing. It is. But that's, that's actually designed, our brain is designed that way to... Our brain is designed that way okay. to stay safe. How do you stop it? <laughs> <laughs> you stop it by uh, a pattern interrupt. Okay. Okay, some people um, will distract themselves, and that's pretty good. But I talk about the four self-healing skills. The four self-healing skills are pretty basic. They're belly breathing. Mm. So when you start belly breathing... You shift out of the sympathetic activity that's keeping you in that habituated rumination and the, the feedback loop. You break that, and you move into parasympathetic, which is relaxation. Right. Belly breathing shifts you out of the stress activity into the relaxation activity. Love that. I'll talk about the nervous system in just a second, yeah. okay? The second self-healing skill is what we're doing here. We drink a little water. The physical stress might be that you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're tired, and it'll keep you in a habituated pattern because that's familiar. Yeah. Even though it's not healthy for you, it's familiar. So you stay in that simply because it's habit. Okay. The third self-healing skill is awareness. So we talked about recognizing that we're telling ourselves a story, and then we're making it true. Right. We're starting to assimilate facts and all kinds of things to make that story true. That's what our brain does. Yeah. You could ask yourself a question. A pattern interrupt is, is great with a question. Is this story true? Yes. Well, no. Okay. Would I like to tell a different story? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm so stressed I can't think. Well, would you like to tell a different story? Belly breathe, drink some water. What if it's none of that? What if it's something else entirely? Yeah. Okay? What would you like to do instead of telling yourself that story that's so harmful to you and so emotionally draining? What would you like to do instead? And that's where present moment comes in. Mm. And that's the fourth self-healing skill. Belly breathing, water, awareness, and present moment. If I take myself out of the history and the pattern and come into this present moment and be fully present with you, I'm not telling myself a story. Yeah. 
I'm right. being present and having a great time. Okay? Yeah. Nice. I like those four steps. Yes. Uh, yeah, Byron Katie is a, a, if you know her work, she, mm -hmm. her first question, and you, same thing, is, is can you be 100% sure that it's true? True. <laughs> and, you know, because your first answer to is it true is yes, of course. <laughs> That's exactly why she's behaving that way. <laughs> well, can you be 100% certain? And then you're like, well, no, maybe there's something I'm not thinking of, or maybe, you know, something going on in her world that I don't know of, or, you know. It's that missing information. Yes that might take you out of the stress. Right. There, there might be something going on. Right. Okay, okay, I know that creates stress because I'm missing a crucial piece of information. I'll just calm down and get in the present moment and be with you right here, right now. Love that, good. Uh, so you talk about there's mental fatigue and emotional fatigue. Yes. Can we describe each? Let's talk just a little bit about the nervous system first. Okay. Sure. okay. You have the central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord. You have the peripheral nervous system, which is the nerves coming out of the spinal cord. And in those two uh, types of nervous system, you have two branches. You have the sympathetic nervous system, and you have the parasympathetic nervous yes. system. The sympathetic nervous system is fight, flight, or freeze. Okay. That's all you got in there. Right. Parasympathy. Sympathetic. 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 And the emotion associated with the sympathetic is fear in all of its gradations. Okay. Okay. Parasympathetic is rest, digest, relax, get into the present moment. And the primary emotion associated with the parasympathetic is love in all of its joy, bliss, happiness. Hmm. Okay. And you can't be in both of these uh, nervous system functions at the same time. You're either in fear or in love. You're either in survival or thriving. Fight, flight, or freeze, or rest, digest, and thrive. Mm -hmm. Surviving, thriving, surviving, thriving. You can't do both. So the mental fatigue comes from you going back into the past and ruminating because the wonderful way the brain is designed is it's the law of attraction. So you think a thought, and if it's a survival thought or a fear-based thought, all these memories just kind of come in and come around and say, this is now true, this is now your story. Yeah. Okay? And then it's hard to get out of it. Right. When you're parasympathetic, you think a loving thought and the same law goes into effect. All of your loving memories, all of your past associations, petting a puppy, looking at a baby, whatever it is, they all come up. Hmm. And so your mental fatigue or your mental stress can come from thinking the same thoughts and drawing the same conclusions. And your brain doesn't have a chance to grow or shift or become neuroplastic because it stays in those stuck patterns. Mm. When you're more parasympathetic, you get to grow, you get to thrive, you get to feel good about your thoughts, you get to learn something new, which is one of my philosophies, learn something new every day. Grow a new dendrite somewhere in here so that you can start thinking new thoughts instead of relying on the old ones. And every thought has an emotional component attached to it. 
So your body doesn't care if you feel the same old emotions and then percolates up into a thought or you think the th same thoughts and it goes down into an emotion. The exhaustion comes from doing the same thing over and over again mm. with no relief. I can totally see that. So when you say learn something new, does it have to be a new instrument or can it just be reading an article? Define that a little bit. It can be anything. Okay. Your brain loves to learn. Right. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's doing a crossword puzzle and answering a question you've never answered before. Okay. Or reading an article or doing some research on something or listening. I just listened to an interview with a man named Dawson Church and he's an alumni from my um, Holos University and he's in, big into motion freedom technique and tapping yeah. which is one of the things I use with my clients. And I love listening to him because there's so much new research coming out all the time and he's a researcher, so I know he's going to do the work that I don't want to do, but I get to listen to the results. Right. And I learned something new this morning as I was listening to that interview with him. Nice. doesn't matter what it is. Your brain doesn't care, which is one of the reasons that you want to filter and become aware of the information you're bringing in, because your brain doesn't care. It won't analyze the quality. That's your job. Got it. Okay? Nice. And then the difference between then the mental fatigue and emotional fatigue? They're usually highly linked. Mental fatigue is thinking the same thought. This is really scary. This is really scary. I can't do the interview. I'm too scared. This is really scary. But a lot of times we've mislabeled an emotion like scary. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you were ever a little child, but I've had the opportunity now to be a grandparent and kind of learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Nice. But we, I love taking my grandson up to the caverns and the rides up there. He couldn't wait until he was tall enough. You know, Grandma, can I put rocks in my shoes so I can ride these rides? <laughs> and he'd be so excited. But I would see parents up there, and the kids would be excited, and they'd look at him and say, now, don't be scared. What if we have learned to mislabel excitement, which is an emotion, as fear. Hmm. Now this little kid knows very little fear. We couldn't wait for the mind drop ride to open and we wrote it like seven times and there were kids that wouldn't write it and then other kids that wrote it once and wouldn't get back on it because they were too scared. He's gone, this is great fun, let's do it again. Okay, we're back on there. <laughs> huh. So how do you prevent that as a parent? It's an educational dynamic to not try to tell your kids what they're feeling, but talk to them and see what they think they're feeling. That leads into the other dynamic of change a word, change your life. Yes. Okay. If I continually say, Dr. Nicole, I'm worried about, I'm worried about, I'm worried about, guess what I'm telling myself to do? Worry. Yes. What if you change the word worry to curious? I'm curious about. I'm interested in. It's going to be fun to figure it out. Hmm. I'm curious instead of I'm worried. Change your word, change your life. Curious is parasympathetic. Growth, love, expansion, learning. Worried, sympathetic. Fear, concern. No changing, no growing, no learning. Because you can't learn if you're surviving. Yeah. 
Makes so much sense. What are some other words? There must be some other trigger ones. Well, some very sympathetic words are words like always and never. Okay. I always get stuck in thinking the same thing over and over again. Okay, you're telling your nervous system, always get stuck in this, and your nervous system goes, okay. Yeah. I can do that. I, I'm used to that. That's a habit. I do that all the time anyway. I'm comfortable with that. If you say, once in a while, hmm. I like to see a different aspect of something, your nervous system kind of goes, <laughs> wait, <laughs> what is this? So sympathetic words are words like always and never. Very constrictive, constraining, no expansion, fearful. Yeah. Once in a while, sometimes, occasionally, every so often. Yeah. Makes Feel sense. the difference? Yeah. Even the vibration are, dif are different. When I say always, you kind of go, oh, oh, and then it's once weird. in a while, okay. Yeah, it's more open. Yes. Huh, interesting. More possibility. Mm -hmm. Any others that you want to share? Those are two that Those come, you know, right into the yeah. brain. Worried or emotional words, I'm scared, yeah. instead of I'm curious or I wonder. What's happening? So when I get nervous before the show, I can say I'm curious about... Yes! <laughs> I'm curious about my guest. Mm. I'm curious how the show's going to be. Yeah. A metaphor for, for worry is, say you're going to take a trip in two weeks, or do a show in two weeks, and you call up and you reserve a room in a hotel, and the hotel person says, okay, in order to reserve this room, I need you to send me $5 right now and you don't get it back, and it doesn't apply to the cost of your room. And you go, okay, because I'm worried about it. I want to make sure that I have a room. So then you call him the next day and you say, is my reservation still active? Yes, please, send me $5. It's a useless expenditure of energy hmm. that doesn't benefit you in any way, right. but you're spending it anyway with worry. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. It's spending time <laughs> worrying about something that may or may, may not, not happen. happen. And if it does happen, then you can find the recourse at that point. Like, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. the recourse is usually different than the story you've been telling yourself. Right. Yeah. So. Very interesting. Uh, so, again, the four self-healing. Belly breathing, water. That's an interesting one. I've never heard water as a solution to stress. Drinking water. Is that just distraction almost? No, or? it's your body needs about one half ounce per pound of body weight to function efficiently. So think of it as like a car engine. If you don't have enough water in your radiator, I'm drinking my water now. <laughs> your car overheats, right? And it doesn't function well. Interesting. Yeah. And your sense. brain is a water hog. If it doesn't have enough water, you start getting cloudy thinking, you start getting headaches, you start feeling a little, ooh. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Uh, one of my tricks for awareness, well, it's actually something I learned from a, uh, Authentic Living is a coaching program that uh, Beth and Lindsay in the Valley do. Mm -hmm. And the main lesson I got out of it was that any scenario that happens to you could also actually be in service to you. Yes. So to shift from being... Uh, fearful or in a place of um, resistance to what's going on, uh -huh. if you could just ask the question, uh, how is this actually in service? 
Yes. How is my kid screaming in service to me? Yes. Well, it's allowing me to then find some patience and find my inner source of calm and peace and, and to teach how to stay in that space, even Absolutely. in a stressful environment. Or, Absolutely, yes. Right? There's yes. always opportunities to practice patience, is yes. what I like to say. <laughs> infinite, infinite possibilities until we make a decision. Once we make a decision, the possibilities collapse and the universe conspires on your behalf to have that happen in your life. Yeah. Whether it's a decision in your benefit or detriment, the universe doesn't care. If you've made that decision, possibilities collapse. But once you've taken that action, possibilities open up again. Yeah. It's and true. then they collapse, and then they. And I saw Deepak Chopra do this in person on stage one time, and I could almost envision the possibilities collapsing into this present moment, and then opening up again as soon as an action is taken. Huh. Nice. Yeah. I love that. All right, we're down to the last couple of minutes. Um, tell us about your coaching program, please. I have an online coaching program yes. that was based on my doctoral dissertation. Okay. So I think I'm one of the few coaches that actually has research backing the efficacy of the coaching program that I do. In 19 of 21 categories of measurement, we had statistically significant improvements, not only three months out, but six months out. Wonderful. So people who coach with me feel better, which was the highest category of improvement. They have more energy. They have less pain. They spend less time in stressful situations, and we never know what we prevent, but a lot of people that took my program in, in the study, which was back in 2000, come up to me today and say, I'm not sure that I would be living the life I'm living if I hadn't taken your program. Wow. That's a beautiful compliment. Yes. Nice to have such a nice impact. Yes. Good for you. Uh, how can people find you? My website is www.makingshiftshappen.com. Wonderful. On there, they can take a survey about their stress. Nice. But they can also get directly in touch with me and find out more. Wonderful. Um, actually, I had one more question. You did a, um, was it a master's or PhD in a, a spiritual counseling? Mm -hmm. I find that fascinating. What was one major lesson that you learned in that area? Oh my gosh, there were so many. I know, I'm sure. <laughs> I worked with a man named Dr. Norm Sheely, and he worked with a medical intuitive named Carolyn Mace, and she's probably more well-known than he is. But what came out of all of that is trust. Mm -hmm. If I had to consolidate my four years of study, because I did a dual track, it would be trust, receive, and trust your knowing, mm. trust your intuition. Trust intuition, that's a big one. Yeah. Wonderful, oh, I'm so grateful that you're on the show. Um, you also have that book, we'll put up a screenshot of that so people can find that, for, and um, we'll add that information to aspentalkshealth.com. We'll put all your contact information on how people access, excuse me, access your program and your book. And um, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank Dr. you so Stephanie. much for having me on this show. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure getting to meet you. Uh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope that helped. <laughs>